0: back there and he takes it from him
1: throws it behind the net that's check in the shot at they score
0: i think o'shel who knocked it in and carolina is in acceleration mode now for sure The building is shot One thing I remember is just the sound of that arena. I love listening to the sound of that arena when, when that happened, just how quiet it is. All you can hear is, is our guys go whooping it up. It's, 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 it's a special moment, it really is. Curtis Joseph played a tremendous game again this evening. Carolina
1: had 35 shots. They won it in overtime. Here's Jeff O'Neill who gave the Hurricanes
0: the 1-0 lead for a young guy from King City, You grew up cheering for the Leafs. How does it feel to finish them off tonight? Uh, that's a great feeling. Uh, you know, it was a tough game tonight. They scored again with uh, 20 seconds left, and you start to question yourself, but uh, I'm real happy with the effort guys uh, put forth tonight. It was a solid team win. Is there a void when you look back in your career? You know, Stanley Cup in Toronto and just how good it would have been.
1: I would have loved to win the Stanley Cup with the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's no doubt about that. The Leafs, gallant Effort.
0: It is SportsFeld Storytime. We are talking about the 2002 Toronto Maple Leafs playoff run. Unfortunately, it ended in the previous episode. A couple bad giveaways in Game 6. And TSN Overdrive's Jeff O'Neill there to put the nail in the coffin. Not for the game winner, but he is everywhere in this series. That sort of wrapped up... Obviously, it didn't sort of wrap up. It wrapped up the 2002... Team, the closest they got to a Stanley Cup win, as we sort of alluded to, we think they probably would have got fed pretty handily by the Detroit Red Wings because the 2002 Red Wings were stacked. Yes. But in the next couple of years, we saw this team, and I actually, looking back at this, pretty impressed with the decisions they made to sort of fix up what they were lacking. I don't I don't know about you, but as much as last the last team, the 2002 team did feel like the emblematic, quintessential early 2000 Toronto team. I think the methodology for the next wave of moves did make sense. If 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 you agree with that,
1: yeah, I feel like this. If you like transactions, mm-hmm. the 2000 2002, or I guess the 2003 2004 Toronto Maple Leafs are like transaction heaven. Not only were they like pretty decent moves more or less, they were the most fun transactions I can remember from, and I guess until like the 2015 Jays, like mm. these teams were just constantly moving parts. Like in the off season, they traded Yuskiewicz for Robert Svela, who I really liked.
0: Man, was, I liked Robert's face I love I remember
1: I remember in I think it was the must have been the two thousand three playoffs, he got stitches on the bench. He got mm. like cut in the face and it was the playoff game and it got that like that's a hockey player narrative of just like this shot of him literally getting stitched up on the bench and then hopping over the boards to play more. And was, oh.
0: That is a hockey player. That is a hockey player. Actually,
1: they sent uh our favorite <laughs> Bob Wren to Nashville for Nathan Parrott. In March of 2003, which seems unbelievable based on everything we've just said, they traded Alan McCauley, Brad Boys and a first round pick for Owen Nolan, which I wanted to be Ziggy Palfy, but ended up being Owen Nolan. They Brad traded
0: Brad Boys, Brad Boys. <laughs> what you going to do?
1: That deadline, that deadline is a legendary Leafs trade deadline. Oh yeah. The two two days before the deadline, they traded a second round pick to Carolina for the aforementioned Glenn Wesley who also had a lame helmet. And then on the deadline, they trade a ninth round pick and a fourth round pick to Chicago for Phil Housley. And of course the legendary trade of a sixth round pick to Montreal for nine seconds of Doug Gilmore, the final nine seconds of Doug Gilmore.
0: When I tell you now, I I would even say I I was more excited about the next deadline, but I was certain going to get, Gilmore meant they were winning the cup.
1: I very much b- still believe that if he doesn't get hurt, they win the cup that year.
0: <laughs> you also buried that they got rid of Cujo.
1: They did, and brought in Eddie Belfour. They brought in Tom Fitzgerald and Trevor Kidd. Somehow waived Harold and tw- They claimed Harold Druken on waivers, then put him on waivers, and then traded for him. <laughs> so, a <laughs> weird year for Harold Druken on the Maple Leafs
0: that year. McGilney led the team in points. He had thirty-three goals. He had 79 points in 73 games. Sundine scored 37. He was excellent again. Uh, Caberle really ascended as the, the like no question number one guy. He was that before, but it was like he used 25 minutes a game. He was constant. Uh, Nick Antropov played 72 games that season. It, we remember, everyone remembers Nick Antropov. You,
1: you got Of course. Like Nick Antropov. Antropov and Ponokorovsky. Those he were the He would guys. become.
0: I think bigger than next year. And I, which is probably reason why I like the next year's team even more, but there, there is like, if you look at the bottom of this 2002, 2003, the guys who play just a handful of games, as you mentioned, Doug Gilmore played one, but you see guys like Carlo Coliacovo played two games, Matt Stajan, uh played in this season. He played one game, scored in one game, one goal, 19 years old. Damn. Um, as well, Ponikarovski, as you said, he played thirteen games. So you see the beginning of some of the guys that would come to define the very, very bad teams. <laughs> Middling, <laughs> those guys that were not very good, but that team, who I had the highest of high expectations for, I thought they were going to be better than the year before, even yeah. though, even though everyone's a year older, um, and you know Shane Corson's thirty six. And stuff like that. Yurke Lume, 36 years old, playing a lot. Gary Roberts, only played 14 games, 36 years old. Ed Belfort, 37 years old. <laughs> Miguelney, 33 years old. Shvela, 34 years old. I thought, this is it. This is this is the team. This is the year. But uh, But they lost in seven to the Philadelphia Flyers, which was, you want to talk about, like, I thought we were, I was heartbroken by this. I was sure they were a better team than the Philadelphia Flyers.
1: Yeah. I also thought that the 2004 Toronto Maple Leafs finished second in the division by one point behind the Boston Bruins. And I remember thinking if they had just finished second and gotten the Canadians in the first round, who the Bruins did lose to, and then to have the bit of the easier path with this team. Of course, then we got the final installation of the Battle of Ontario that year, which, of course, also went seven games. Yes. Oh, three or 4 also home to the legendary Brian Leach trade.
0: Yes. You want to talk about a trade deadline?
1: Brian Leach's first game as a Maple Leaf is, to this day, still one of my favorite Maple Leaf games of all time.
0: Freaking out. They got Brian Leach. They get Ron Francis. They added... Joe Neuendijk in the offseason, by the way, um, (laughs) giving us the skyline of Antropov, Ponikarovsky, and Neuendijk, which was one of my favorite lines in Maple Leafs history. Just three really tall guys. Why didn't anybody (laughs) think of that before?
1: I remember. And like I think in Brian Leach's first game, he scored twice. And I feel like they were – I remember there was a power play near the end of the game and McCabe just kept – feeding him over and over again for him to get the third goal in his first game. And I just remember freaking out and it was the best eating bagel bites or something.
0: (laughs) Oh, three Oh four. Again, Matt Sundin, your, your leader. Um, McGilney had a knee injury, had the season shut down after just 37 games. McCabe second on the team in scoring. He was 53 points in 75 games. Doesn't that seem crazy?
1: That does, especially for like not only is it Brian McCabe, but just like the concept of how scoring worked then. Maybe the lockout was a good idea.
0: Yeah, Joe New third in the team in scoring. Gary Roberts, Owen Nolan each had forty-eight points. Uh, Tucker scored twenty. So, uh, uh, th- this was my favorite team. I think of that era because they they had a mix of really big veteran names, and they made a push at the uh, at the deadline um and they really not that they were you know they they didn't lean on those young guys but they gave antropov and pranikarovsky and and staging uh a real shot to earn their way mm-hmm. and, and relied on them and, and and played them a lot so it was a really likable team and, and i think you know oh three oh four right before right before the lockout i think that is the team that i 103, w- 103 points, like, everything lined up. I really thought that was the best team they put together.
1: I thought so, too. And I think that's the that's my favorite of the Battle of Ontario's, I think, as well.
0: Yes, With New, meltdown. With New,
1: Neuendijk's softies in game seven. Gets the pass away. They get it at
0: the center ice. New and Dyke is striding in there for too high for Here's again. Scores again. Right the
1: Two in a row for Neuendijk.
0: What's going on? Yeah, you want to talk about fun Battle of Ontario. Um, the two Joe Newandike goals in the first period <laughs> of that game. Just like, that's it. That's the end of the Battle of Ontario. Yeah. it, it It's over. And that was... <laughs> every reason if you're an Ottawa fan to be like as much as we talked in the previous month about how like you would think this was the year they were on a 102 point team they were stacked all the guys that were pretty good two years ago were now legitimate stars Hosa was 25 Havlat was 22 Chara 26 like their best players at their best in their primes And it did not matter. Oh, that's fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was a real... That one or the Sundine Ping one, I think, are my two favorites. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen The Bride and Groom?
0: in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, they lost in seven to the Philadelphia Flyers, which was, you want to talk about, like, I thought we were, I was heartbroken by this. I was sure they were a better team than the Philadelphia Flyers.
1: I remember that overtime goal as being like, you want to talk, turn off the TV goals that that's the, the Ronick goal is the turn off the TV goal of all turn off the TV goals.
0: That was like, if you decided after the Ronick goal, you never wanted to watch hockey again. I would have not blamed you for a second.
1: Well, the good news is if you're in Toronto, you didn't have to the next year. So
0: where do we go from here? I mean, I suppose to the lockout, um, I remember the lockout quite well. It was my my freshman year in college, as a matter of fact. Wow. So didn't watch any hockey my first year in college. I remember very well the day that it came back because I believe the Leafs got Lindros, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yes, I think you're right.
0: But what you know, you would have been, you'd have been 15, I think, 15, 16 years old. What were your yeah. thoughts about about the the versions of this team, a couple hundred-point teams, a couple deep playoff runs that we saw before the lockout, and what we saw after? Because I remember coming home from college for Christmas and 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 sort of the buzz around uh that summer, around Sort of which teams were in the worst shape when the lockout lifted. And every I remember every panelist being like, well, the Maple Leafs, as good as they were, like the salary cap and their ages, they're going to be in a lot of trouble coming up. And boy, they were right.
1: But I do remember they missed the playoffs by two points that season. But there, yeah, there was just a sense of, oh, maybe they're not good enough with these veterans anymore. Jason Allison. Yeah, there was a, I remember I remember the first shootout with Jason Allison and just being the slowest man
0: possible. They'll never the live that down. That fucking shootout attempt.
1: <laughs> but like when you it, it is sort of a good representation of that team that year. Of like coming off all these playoff excitements with this veteran team and then it's like, "Oh, maybe they're not going to maybe this strategy of just adding veterans all the time and never trying to develop skill or get younger isn't going to work in the new NHL and also NA NHL
0: 32-year-old Eric Lindros on that Jeff O'Neill, as we mentioned joined the team
1: two years in a row there missing the playoffs by they missed the playoffs by 2 points and missed the playoffs by 1 point the next year ugh and then brutal it was really bad for a long time after that
0: <laughs> you get Kyle Wellwood you get Ian White that Next year, color Akipo, but yeah, they're a 90 point team, and then they add Paul Maurice, and they're a 91 point team. I was so excited uh, about Paul Maurice. Well, yeah, he had just been basically single handedly responsible for knocking them out of the playoffs. <laughs> Not single handedly, that's ridiculous, but you with it, it becomes they be like you can see in 06 07, the first year. Under Maurice, they they have Bates, Battaglia, and Jeff O'Neill, and they've they've started to bring over all the guys yeah. from their most recent successful run. Oh, the goaltending: Raycroft, Oban, and Telqvist. Oh, and then man.
1: Toskala, I think. After that, just right. Yeah, it just didn't. I I just I don't know what the plan for those teams was. To be honest, to this day, I'll never understand yeah. the late 2000s Maple Leafs.
0: I mean, we roll, we roll forward to the Jason Blake year, 7 08. Of course. ugh,
1: <laughs> ugh is
0: right. We, we roll forward. Ron Wilson, 2008-2009. The Jeff Finger edition. Uh, <laughs> Martin Gerber. Remember that? Luke Shen. Yep. Mikhail Grabowski. Christian Hansen. Uh, we're remembering guys. Cujo at 41 years old. <laughs> 41-year-old Cujo played a handful of games in... Uh, 2008 2009 he was not good he played 21 games 3.57 869 save percentage justin pogey justin Pogge, seven man, seven games that year he was gonna be it well so was yeah well he was pogey is the reason they felt capable of trading away yeah to karask that's who's right still a very good goaltender to this day years later <laughs>
1: Yes, has beat us several three times now in the finals. Uh,
0: one last round of remembering some guys from this team: uh, Tim Stapleton, <laughs> uh, Nicholas Hagman, Lee Stampniak. Oh boy,
1: I like Nicholas Hagman. I was excited. I was excited for that addition until he started playing for us.
0: I'll tell you how old I am. I was blogging about the team by this point. Wow, that's how that's how f- far ahead we are.
1: Yeah, these team these teams were like. I'm barely watching this. Bad.
0: Andre DeVoe, yeah. They were a 81-point team, did not play very well. Then they bottomed out the next year, 74 points.
1: And they didn't have a draft pick the year after that because of the Kessel trade, which I'm sure you've heard about.
0: Yes, I have heard about that once or twice. (laughs) Uh, It goes forward, Wilson, to Carlisle, to Horacek, to Babcock, to where we are today, Sheldon Keefe. Uh, It's been quite a little run, but... The Maple Leafs, I think, you know, looking back at it, if you're if you're GMing that team and you are staring down a lockout and you're staring down there's gonna be a salary cap, hell yeah, trade for Brian Leach. Hell yeah, trade for Ron yeah. Francis. Why wouldn't you?
1: Absolutely. Just I, I can't believe they were this bad for so long and didn't have like draft picks. I know. I know that like, it was trades and stuff, but it's just like it's so bad. <laughs>
0: It's too bad. I think there should be no salary cap for the Maple Leafs. That's my...
1: I agree. Everyone else should have one but us.
0: They run the league. They're they're financing the whole league. They should be allowed to spend as much as they want on player salary,
1: Even though we kind of are now.
0: Anyway, that is it for your pre-lockout Leafs playoff run. Uh, I think safe to say for me, I think this three, four-year run encapsulates the peak of my Maple Leafs fandom. I got hurt so bad by Jeremy Roenick. And then (laughs) it was a lockout. And in that lockout year, but in my first year of college, and then leading into my second year, I really fell in love with the NBA as a whole court surfing was a thing you could do. Mm -hmm. And NBA TV was a channel and you could watch out of market games. Uh, I really think 2005, you know, you have LeBron coming into his own and and the league was really fun. I think that is when the Maple Leafs started to fall down my sort of personal interest rankings and, and the NBA in general really jumped up.
1: Yeah. I think I always had a bit more of NBA before that as well, but I definitely like the lockout lockout didn't kill my interest in hockey by any means, but like, It definitely knocked it down the pecking order quite significantly, and it's still never really recovered from it. Yeah. Like, I'll still – obviously, we still support the Maple Leafs, and if they were to make a playoff run, I'd obviously be there with Bells on. But, like, my day-to-day interest in the Leafs will never be as high as it was in these three, four years.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And, you know, basketball was always there. Uh, I don't mean to downplay that I didn't love basketball as a kid. No, no, no. But when it was the only sport and – like we had a house of, of six and one of my roommates, my roommate Andy at the time, six foot seven was on our college basketball team and we played basketball in the gym every day. So it was like it went from like a seven to a 10 basically is, is whereas hockey went from like an eight to a five. I think that's what I would say.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. fair.
0: Anyway, that's it for another edition of Sportsfeld Storytime. An excellent trip down memory lane to the pre-lockout Maple Leafs. If you have an idea for something we should talk about, whether it be a game or a series or hell, I'll talk about just a year of a team. You give us anything. uh, I'm happy to look back. We have plenty left uncovered. We hope you have enjoyed coming along for the ride. We thank Sean and Clay for giving us the platform and the ability to do this. We thank Dylan for all the awesome edits, all the great stuff, and all the hard work that goes into this series. And most of all, we thank you for listening to SportsFeld Storytime.
1: It is my somber duty to report that at today's meeting, the NHL Board of Governors unanimously reconfirmed that NHL teams will not play at the expiration of the CBA until we have a new system which fixes the economic problems facing our game.